This is Dialogue, a podcast series from American Mosaic. Just driving around the country, talking to people about roots, family, community, jobs, kids, whatever is on their mind today. This episode is uh, from my uh, just finished uh, road trip in Texas. I started out uh, in Austin and uh, then uh, drove uh, as far uh, west into uh, Texas as Marfa. And there's a small town uh, near there, about half an hour away in Alpine. And Alpine is where I stayed uh, for a couple of nights. And that way I could cover uh, Marfa and Alpine. Anyway, I was in Alpine and... um, Stopped in to, uh, to get a beer in uh, the bar and uh, hotel, which is kind of a landmark hotel, historic hotel in Alpine. And that's where uh, I met uh, Joey. Uh, Joey was uh, one of the bartenders, and uh, I immediately liked him, and, and we had a little conversation. And he agreed to talk to me uh, when he ended his shift at uh, 4 o'clock uh, that afternoon. So it was a great conversation, and uh, Joe was a young guy, uh, and he had a lot of interesting things uh, to say. Uh, Everybody has uh, their own story, and and Joey certainly has his. And what came up was uh, his uh, addiction to uh, opioids, and it started uh, uh, with uh, prescription uh, painkillers and uh, led to other things and uh, something that uh, he's struggled with for some time and uh, he thinks he seems to have it under control. Anyway, it was a great conversation and uh, I wanted to share that. I think not that many people are willing uh, to uh, have a conversation about their drug problem. My name is Joey Blair. I'm from Midland, Texas originally. I've lived in Austin for about 15, 20 years now. Born and raised in Texas, born in West Texas, about three hours from here, um, and where we were just talking about. Born in Midland, Texas in 1982, and left um, around 2000 to start college, and I've never really moved back to Midland. I mean, I've gone back for you know extended periods of time, maybe a month or so, and uh, but yeah, I've never actually had my own place there, you know, I always lived with my parents or something like that, and you know, I just kind of finished school, and I was a teacher for Austin Independent School District for a good four years, um, realized I wasn't making enough money, um, still having to bartend, you know, Thursday, Friday, sometimes Saturday, just to make ends meet, and decided, you know, after about four years of doing the teaching, it's like, well, I'm making more money bartending. It's a lot easier, and I don't have to deal with these kids. I think I'm going to go ahead and do that. Got out of teaching, and I've really just been working in bars for, I guess, about eight, nine years now, maybe almost a decade, something around there. And so. Tell me a little bit about uh, your artist. Uh, I am. I, um, I do some, do a little bit of drawing. Um, not too good at it, but you know I enjoy it. Um, I do enjoy writing, um, and primarily I do a lot of music. Um, I play guitar, I play bass, and kind of just 
what I like to do is I like to make uh, little loops on old cassette tapes and I like to splice them and then get it playing through a tape machine and just have it going over and over again with the same thing. But the thing about tape is, especially now, I use a lot of the older ones that you know I found at my grandparents' house, just old blank tapes, and they've degraded over the years. And especially once you start playing it, you know, and it's just such a short loop. It's maybe like, you know, anywhere from eight to twenty to thirty seconds. You know, as it keeps playing in that machine, it's going to degrade it even more. I kind of enjoy that degradation of sound that you only get really through old cassette tapes, like I just enjoy that for some reason, I don't know what it is, it's just I like that sound, that crackling, kind of just worn out, you know, something that's wearing out, I don't know what it, what it is, it's, I've always been drawn to that kind of sound. Tell me about it, now, okay, you, um, now, yeah. you live in Marfa? I do live in Marfa, yes sir. Okay, what, what brought you to Marfa? Tell me about Marfa. Uh, what brought me to Marfa was I, um, I don't know, I guess I was just kind of burnt out on Austin. It was getting kind of expensive. I was, you know, had a debilitating, uh, you know, opioid habit. And I thought, you know, I'd gotten clean and I thought, you know, maybe it's time to try something else. So I moved out to Marfa where, you know, there aren't any kind of things to really throw me off, you know, a relapse and whatnot. And been out there for about seven months now. And you know, just it's a great place to, I guess, think because it is so small, and you know, you really have to come up with things on your own. I mean, I, there are certainly things to do. I'm just trying not to go out and, you know, get drunk every night. So, you know, a lot of the times I just stay with my cats and work on music. It's a perfect place for that because no one comes by, no one knocks on my door and bothers me with that. It's, it's, it works. I, I do miss the bigger city. I do, I do sometimes, you know, I don't want to say regret my decision for what I did, but I do sometimes, you know, just, I miss getting pizza delivered. I miss, you know, just the, the ease of living in a big city of, you know, just everything that comes with a bigger city. Okay, you mentioned the opioid thing, and the reason I... I'm, following that a little bit is because I run into that as I travel around mm -hmm. and I'm very aware I, there was a good number of years, 10 years ago or something and uh, there's a book I read about Portsmouth, Ohio okay. and um, there's a book called Dreamland and it's very good about the beginning, the early stages of the opioid and uh, it's Purdue Pharma mm -hmm. which was... Well then that's how I got started as well. Um, I guess it was um, my senior year of college. Uh, I broke this right ankle, had a root canal that I had to get as well, and I also got bit actually right here on my backside by a black widow. So this all happened within five to six months of each other, and this was, God, this had to be about 2004. So, you know, anytime I had to go to the doctor or anything, they just, there you go, here's a script for, you know, you know, 10 milligram Vicodin, 10 hydrocodone. For the spider bite, I had to go to wound therapy, and they actually prescribed me. That was the first time I had ever gotten prescribed Oxycontin. And just from there, um, you know, I had I had a pharmacy basically in my bathroom. You know, I just had refills and ton of pills. And once I started running out, that was the first time I ever because I'd never had an opiate withdrawal before that. You know, I was maybe 22, 23, and I'd never experienced what a real withdrawal from a substance was like up until that period and I went through it and it was 
I mean, it wasn't terrible, terrible. It was pretty bad, but it wasn't, you know, the worst thing in the world. And I got over it, and I don't know what it was. A few years later, I had a friend introduce me to um, to black tar heroin, and you know, I started out smoking it, and uh, you know, just kind of putting it. We called it, you know, basically doing it the punker way. You throw it on a piece of foil, and you know, basically freebase it, and something like that. Um, call it beetle bum or something like that, and. So yeah, I got started on it, doing it that way, and uh, realized that uh, yeah, opioids are a very, very powerful um, substance, and you will, you have the, there is the possibility of giving up everything you've worked for just for that feeling. And I've never experienced anything really like that before, and it's funny because even getting clean, I end up relapsing four or five months later, and it's been an ongoing thing about a decade, you know, something like that. So. Well, good for you. Congratulations. Thanks. I mean, I, I, I mess up every once in a while. I'm not going to lie. I do mess up every once in a while. And, yeah. You know, I mean, well, I think, uh, well, I understand. I understand that. And I, and it's, I, I think a lot of people uh, don't understand that, um, yeah, the, the difficulty of... It's, I mean, it's very difficult because, I mean, once you get on it, um, you know, for me, I wasn't trying to just, you know, get not, like, not out and just get, you know, for lack of better words, can I curse on this or is that all right? Sure. I, mean, I wasn't just trying to get fucked up. Like, I mean, it really, like, I remember when I first started getting into heroin, it, it made me want to go out and do things. It, like, kind of broke that barrier of me being a shy person and just really, I mean, I guess not giving a shit, you know? Like, and the early stages I had a great time I went out I met a lot of people I had a really great time and you know you don't realize you really have a problem until the guy you're getting it from or the person you're getting it from no longer answers the phone and then you you know up shit's creek you run out and you're going through withdrawal and that seems like to be when I always got caught by my family or friends or something like that it was never when I was on it it was always when I was would run out or you know go through that and they'd always well, what's wrong like why are you why, why, that's really how I'd always end up getting caught was just running out going through withdrawal it's like well why do you have something why are you throwing up why are you doing this well, you know and I'd have to come clean because I you know feel like death you know I mean it's one of the worst feelings you'll ever experience you know, running out of that stuff and just going a day or two without it is after I mean it, it subsides after about four days but I mean, even after the, physic the physicality of it goes away, you still have that whole just mental thing. No nothing seems fun anymore. I mean, when, you're when you first are getting clean, that's the hardest part is nothing's fun. You can't find any joy in life. Like, even, like things that you used to be interested in, they're just no longer fun without it any longer. And it, it took, um, I had to actually end up getting on a maintenance program and be off of it completely for about two years before I was able to... I mean, it didn't take the whole two years, um, but it took a good, like, six, seven, eight months before I was able to really acclimate back into being what I considered a regular person without it, you know? I couldn't, I couldn't go out to bars any longer because I had so many just, you know, memories of going into the bathroom and, you know, be able to get high real quick and come back out and you know, everything's fine. And that was a hard transition is... I mean, I can still, you know, when I go home and go to bathrooms and places I used to frequent a lot, it still, you know, brings back memories of, like, 
getting high in that bathroom, you know. I don't know if that's ever anything I'll ever actually get over. I, I don't know. It's been well, it's, only a few years, so. Sounds like something you're going to just, you know, carry with you. And, no, I think it's kind of work with. No, I, I, think it, I think it will be something I have to carry with me. And, yeah. You know, and like I say, I'm, I'm at a point now where, you know, I do feel bad when I go and get it. And I go home sometimes and I go get it and, you know, spend a day or two on it. And I, I feel guilty about it, but, you know, it's. Yeah. You know, something I enjoy doing, I guess. Tell me something about, uh, talk to me about Texas a little bit. You know, I'm, uh, and that's kind of why I'm here. I, you know, there, there's sort of an interesting thing that's, um, the reason I'm doing uh, this project is because I realize how divided we are as, as a country. Yeah. We don't talk to each other. We got us against them. Uh, uh, you know, and everything's politicized. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, pol- it's very, it's very polarized nowadays. To, to an extreme, today, to, to a very, very, very high extreme. Um, what do you think about that? You know, I think it's always kind of been like that. I just think people are more vocal about it now. But I, I mean, I think there's always been dissenting opinions that like are just as prevalent now as they were. I don't know, say 20, 30 years ago. I just think people have more ambition to talk about the way they feel and I don't think there's really a need to compromise anymore. I mean, there is obviously a need to compromise. I just think people are more so unwilling to do it nowadays. Like, if I believe this, this is right, this is what I want, this is what I think, and there's not a damn thing you can tell me to make me feel any different. And I think Texas is going through that a lot too. I mean, if you just look at the last election, I mean, it's obviously divided too because you know, just in that Senate race we just had, it was pretty split. I mean, it was, you know, less than 2% that, you know, the incumbent took um, to keep his uh, seat in the Senate. I mean, he was definitely on the ropes. And, you know, for something like Texas to almost elect a Democrat to the Senate, you know, in my lifetime, is that's, that's crazy. That's really crazy. So you do kind of see a split, but... And I, and I see it a lot, especially with bartending. That's kind of why I've always liked bartending is, you know, you're kind of like, you're almost like the judge or the referee. You, you know, I mean, you don't really get to give your opinion of what it is. I mean, certainly sometimes, some, you know, some, you know, very conservative people will irritate me and push me to a point where I do start to, you know, give my opinion. And I mean, I shouldn't say conservative people. Sometimes there's some very far left people that will do the same thing. But... I don't know. I guess I've seen so many fights. I mean, I especially remember the 2016 election. You know, there was just... We'd have to throw people out because they would get so heated between one another. And it's just like, well, the thing hadn't even finished yet. You don't even know how it's going to finish. And it seems like you already know the way the next four years are going to be. And sadly enough, the people I thought that were crazy were actually right. Like, that's kind of a strange thing, too. I'd never... I mean, if you would ask me... Summer 2016, if I thought Donald Trump would be president, I've been like, there's no way. I mean, it's going to definitely be Hillary Clinton, which is, you know, I'm not really for either, but I mean, at least it's, you know, I guess it's the thing I argue with um, with my uh, with my brother who was pretty pro-Trump. It's just he always asks me, what's the big problem with him? And the way I feel is, I just don't like the way he presents himself. I don't like the way he speaks. I don't like. I mean, I. I don't know, it's just he seems, and he's just sort of meeting people from Europe. I mean, it's, it's, he's embarrassing. It's a, kind of embarrassing. Like, so your whole thing with the American Mosaic, I mean, 
it's kind of embarrassing, really, to call yourself an American, like, especially when you travel. Like, I mean, it's just, people think we're dumb, and that kind of sucks. That really sucks nowadays. Like, we're, as when I was in college, and especially after college, when I uh, went to Europe, I didn't really feel that way. I mean, I've always told people, this is one thing I always said, though, I guess getting back to Texas, is when someone asked me, like, say, when I was in Paris or when I was in Berlin, when people asked me where I was from, I'd always say Texas rather than the United States. I'd always say I'm from Texas. I wouldn't say I'm an American. I'd say I'm a Texan. So and I, and I think a lot of Texans do do that. I think a lot of Texans kind of... You know, we're, I, I don't want to say different than, you know, others in the United States, but I think we definitely, I mean, you don't hear a lot of people saying, oh, I'm, you know, what, I'm, for you, for example, I'm, I'm from Washington State, like, you don't really, you know, recognize yourself as being a Washingtonian, I guess is what they would call it, but people from Texas definitely, when they're giving, you know, telling someone where they're from, they always are going to say Texas, it's not the United States, I'm from Texas, I mean, you know. I mean, certainly you are from the United States. Texas is one of the states in the United States. But it always made, it's always been kind of funny to me that Texans kind of hold that heritage, you know, really close to them. And like, I mean, I don't think it's, I, I mean, I don't purposely do that. It's just, I found that, especially overseas, I've got a better reception from, you know, locals by telling them I'm from Texas rather than telling them I'm from America. I, I, yeah, and I think so. I mean, as long as, I mean, I've known Texans and I've been in Texas before. I used to do some work with some people in Houston and then actually, uh, yeah, and I've known Texans and, you know, Texas is Texas. I mean, well, it's, it's like its own country in itself and that's kind of what's, I mean, I've loved Texas a few times and, you know, I, I love Texas. I think it's a great spot. Um, it's, it's different, I mean, because, like you said, you can be in West Texas somewhere like here that's mountainous, and you drive a few hours and you've got the desert. I mean, just flat, there's just the eye can see, and then kind of travel more towards the center of the state. You've got the hill country, and you've got more of, I guess, kind of a liberal agenda going on. And I mean, Austin's just a strange place. Like, it's just weird that it just pops out of the middle of nowhere, you know, in this kind of very, very conservative, know landscape you just got this place where you know we had a homeless person who had a boob job and was running around in uh, you know a little speedo like and actually ran for mayor of the city I mean didn't get very far but tried to run for mayor and, and I don't know you won't you don't see that in Oklahoma so I mean even New Mexico has got its weirdness but it's it's a unique it's a unique spot. It's just like like I said, it's like being in a diff, its own country because, like we were talking earlier, just driving. You know, it's so big, and you know, a five-hour drive will get you to a totally different landscape. You know, I mean, you could even if you're in the center of the state, five hours going um, east will get you to a beach. You know, I mean, there's an actual coast of Texas that's kind of it's got everything. You know, how about, um, what do you think about kind of this uh, divisiveness, polarization? You know, it seems to me that, uh, yeah, you know, there's uh, uh, some people benefit by, uh, by having uh, people divided. Uh, this getting uh, one against the other and uh, it gives them an advantage maybe for their agenda. Yeah, certainly, but social strife. What do you think about uh, just kind of, you know, where we are as a country today? And I mean, okay, you know, you get Texas and you get. You know, I know how Texas thinks about Texas. 
and uh, but at the same time, as a, as a Texan, and I know Texas didn't. Uh, I talked to some people didn't get hit with the Great Recession quite as hard as some other places. No, certainly not. I did not. And there's some places I've been in. You know, Wisconsin, some places where I mean, some people really yeah, got Mich- hurt. Michigan, Michigan, like and stuff. Okay, so people get hurt. Yeah, and and they're still hurting. Uh, but what do you think about uh, you know the future? I mean, are we going this, this sort of this track we seem to be going on? Uh, are we on a kind of a collision course with something or what? I mean, it? I don't know if it's, you know, I'd call it a collision course, but I mean, I definitely think I don't think the strife is going to end anytime soon. I don't see people coming together anytime soon. Um, but I, I really don't know. I, I mean, it's your guess is as good as mine with that. I, I, I really don't know what the future holds. And I guess, like, that's something different than I would have thought in college. I would have thought, like, we were going more towards social progress. And even, you know, 10 years ago, I would have thought we were going more towards uh, social equality. But now I don't really know. Um, I don't know if... Um, really the atrocities that are really happening, like, you know, in this administration are going to... I don't know that it's going to stop in four years. I don't, or two years from now. Actually, I, I don't think it is. I think a lot of people are angry about something, and they've. I think, like you've talked about the whole, you know, you know, bringing this whole division between people. I think it is helping, you know, certain people, and I think this administration it definitely helps. They want people fired up, and you know. Like we were just in Texas, like how it is. I mean, you go to you go to Midland and you say anything negative about Donald Trump, you're liable to get punched in the face. And you know, I can remember going there when Obama was president, and you know, seeing signs like you know, keep the change on the people's bumper stickers and things like that. And I don't know. I guess that just shocks me that people still feel this way, like towards other people that you know, that transgender people are still going to be. You know, not allowed to go use a certain bathroom. Uh, you know, and even some voting things that are being brought up, where you know they're just making it hard for certain people of color or of a different nationality to vote. And so I think it's it's obviously still just as prominent as it ever has been. I don't think it's going to go away. So I, I mean, I guess to answer your question, I think things are going to get worse before they get better. And that the first person that said that to me. It's interesting, uh, you know, I'm just going to comment here, because, uh, you know, I'm impressed, you, you're, you're a smart guy. Um, I mean, I don't know if I'm DC more. Well, no, you, you're very informed, you know, you're, you're very informed, and I was wondering about, uh, where, where did you go to college? I went to college at the University of Texas. Okay. That was a long time ago. That was about 12 years ago. Okay, yeah. Um, kind of a, you think big about a lot of different things. I try to. I mean, I guess if I'm asked questions about it, you know. I mean, I hadn't had any, I hadn't had a conversation like this in a long time. Like I said, I kind of keep to myself and Marfa. And, you know, I come to work, I bartend, I kind of referee between people. I get asked a lot, but I think, and I kind of just, you know, blow it to the side because, you know, I don't want to lose my tip either. I don't want to offend someone. So, you know, I guess there's, you know, that self-incentive of, you know, financial uh, gain for myself. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to lose my job for offending anyone either, so I kind of stay neutral. But, yeah, um, 
I, I guess another reason I've moved out to Marfield is I kind of like the solidarity of just, I don't, I, I'll, I mean, if I want, I can go an entire week without having a conversation with really anyone other than the, the stripes clerk when I'm buying a pack of cigarettes or whatever I need, you know, to make it through that day, whether it be, you know, cigarettes, cat food or, you know, something like that. But if I really wanted to, I could keep myself out there in that little casita and not speak to anyone for as long as I really want to. You know, you, were, you said something about, uh, I, I think you said something about, you know, angry and fear and stuff is, uh, there's a sense that I have from talking to people that some people are, uh, they do have a lot of anger uh, yeah, about uh, a lot of things haven't worked out the way they thought they would mm-hmm. uh, or they've lost things. And there's a lot of fear too. There's a lot of people afraid. They're afraid that uh, I talk to people and they're afraid they're going to lose their job. Mm-hmm. I mean, even young people working in tech are living kind of uh, always looking over their shoulders yeah, because if they don't stay on top of what's going to happen, you know, in a year they're going to be replaced. Certainly, yeah. uh, We have a kind of a, and a lot of people don't even want it. They they're afraid to speak. Uh, they think. Yeah, certainly. Because it's I mean, kind of an interesting well, with, time. With, with social media and whatnot, I mean, you can really get in trouble for certain things you say. Like, I mean, I'm, I haven't had a Facebook account. Oh, God, it's been about eight or nine years I deleted it. Probably about 2009, 2010. And I hadn't looked back. I mean, I'm, I, I'm so happy I don't have that. Like, and really the reason I stopped it was because I got, I kind of started hating people I didn't want to hate, like family members, and just because they're putting their political views on there and putting, not, not just political views, I got tired of seeing people's kids, I got tired of seeing this, and so I got rid of it, and, but it, it, it's kind of scary to think that you could possibly lose your job for something you said on social media, like maybe just your opinion, and someone sees that, takes it the wrong way, or they take it, that what you said is blatantly, I don't know, racist, fascist, something, and you lose your job because of that. I mean, especially coming from a teaching background, I do know a lot of people, people that were teachers, that during that time, they just, you know, we were getting asked by our kids if, you know, they could follow us or something like that or befriend us on Facebook. And, you know, that was something I learned early on when teaching is, like, do not let any of your students friend you on Facebook. You need to have a private account. You need to have this, like, and, you know, you don't want any of your students being your friends on Facebook. But then I had a stating a girl at the time who, her mother was a teacher in San Antonio, and she didn't seem to bother. That didn't seem to bother her at all. She was friends with all of her, um, with a lot of her students, po- uh, present and past. Um, and she was very religious, and also put a lot of that on there. And that didn't seem to be a problem for her at all. And I mean, this was in San Antonio school district. Um, it was Northside, um, Northside ISD in San Antonio, and uh, yeah, I did some bother her. But um, during you know certain courses that we had, you know, teacher in services and things like that for AISD, that was one of the main things they told us was you know with your social media, please be careful. Don't you know, especially don't allow your students to friend you, and it's probably best to either delete your account or make it private. Like I said, I, I mean, I, that's not the reason I ended up deleting the account. The reason I ended up deleting it is because, like I said, I just got tired of seeing people's opinion that I could really give a shit about what your opinion is. You're not qualified. You're not an expert. And I don't really 
for lack of better words, give a fuck what you have to say. And I got tired of it, so I got rid of it and I haven't looked back. And I, maybe I missed something. Did I miss uh, that you, you you were a teacher? Yeah, I, I went over that a little bit um, earlier on. But, yeah, but uh, I, I, but yeah, we we hadn't really discussed that. Um, no, but a little more. Just yeah. Okay, so um, I started teaching right out of college. Um, got a job with um, ASD. I taught um, pre-K at a school in Round Rock, and um, I moved from there to a school called the Travis County Day School, which is a school for children that have been expelled from their school for. Whether it be a fighting, drug offense, something like that, they all, once they get expelled, they had to go to the school called the Alternative Learning Center, the ALC is what we called it for short. And once they started showing promise, they were trying to get back into, you know, the swing of things and get, they wanted to get their degree and stuff like that. Um, You know, these were students that actually, I mean, I don't want to say care, because a lot of them didn't really care. Um, But, you know, they showed a little bit of promise. They weren't just, you know, being a problem, we allowed them to start going to the school called the Travis County Day School. And it was done, I mean, it's all through AISD. It was part of AISD, so it was still part of the, you know, the city school district. But um, we had the probation officers there and things like that. They wore uniforms. And um, it was great for me because I taught science, which is not anything. I, I didn't, you know, political science and actual, you know, real, you know, biology and things like that have nothing to go with in one another. I kind of just fell into it um, through a friend I actually bartended with who got me the job, um, and yeah, it was great. I um, I worked Monday, Wednesday, and Friday some weeks, and then that next week I'd work Tuesday and Thursday, and I was still paid, like I was a real teacher. And um, I mean, the one thing about it was um, I did I was using drugs at the time, and I, I you know kind of I guess I felt kind of bad about it, like towards the end, and it kind of started to affect you know me making it to school and actually so I kind of took it as before I get fired I better go ahead and resign so that's how I ended up getting teaching but I taught uh, high school science for three years taught pre-k for one and then I moved and I couldn't do the pre-k anymore because it's basically babysitting and I don't know I felt weird being a male at an elementary school there's not very many male teachers you know at least at the high school level I didn't feel as quite as the odd man out, I guess, so I did that, and like I said, I enjoyed it for a little bit, I just, I mean, it was really, really discerning, because, you know, I mean, some of these kids shouldn't have been going to school, I mean, some of them actually had talent, like, you know, and as far as, like, things that they were into, like, maybe tattooing, like, maybe, like, instead of forcing you to sit in the science class, maybe we could help you with an art class, like, maybe... You know, even getting into tattooing. Tattooing is a very lucrative business. I mean, you make plenty of money. Some of the kids were into cars. There could have been some auto tech classes, but instead, you know, they make them sit in there for two hours and listen to me talk about science stuff. For the most part, I didn't really talk too much. I, I guess we watched a lot of videos. This is mostly the class. I don't think that's rare for schools anymore. I think a lot of kids watch a lot of movies. With just how prevalent the internet is. I mean. It's an easy teaching tool. So, uh, you optimistic about the future? Uh, I'm optimistic about my future. I don't know about the future of the world, but I'm optimistic about my future because what else do I have? So, yeah, I try to stay optimistic about myself. Like, I feel like I'm doing really good work. I feel like the music I'm coming up with is different, and I enjoy it, and 
you know, whether it takes me anywhere, I mean, I could really care less. It's just, it gives me something to do. I guess I am optimistic about that. So, cool. Great conversation. Lots of good stuff. I really appreciate it. That's it for this episode of Dialogue from an American Mosaic. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and follow the journey.